And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. So good to see you all, as Pastor Scott said, on uh, this first Sunday in January. My name is Zach Barnes. I get the, the opportunity to bring God's Word to you this morning. Also, get, I've been serving here as the next-gen pastor uh, for the last five years, so it's just a great opportunity to um, bring the Word for before you. We um, are praying for our pastor and his wife. They are visiting some family up in the Carolinas, so pray for them, a time to get away, and, and uh, just... Uh, Get ready for this new year. Hopefully you all had a, uh, a great Christmas and a happy new year. And um, we're looking forward to just whatever God wants to do in 2020. That's what, what our prayer is as a church and as, you know, individually as a family. I, you know, a couple years ago, I started a journey in, in, uh, to get healthy and do all those things. And I got into um, running. Um, and it's a love-hate relationship. I'll just be honest with you. Um, and I, uh, you know, so I thought, you know... January 4th, there was a race a couple months ago. I said, I'll, I'll join that race. I'll do it. Sam Rudd did it with me, his sister, Megan, and some other people like who love running more than I do. I know Sam and I probably feel the same way about running. But anyway, um, I, I did it yesterday. I, it, was a, it was at Eleanor Kipps Park. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Eleanor, where that is here. It's a beautiful area. And uh, it was uh, a half marathon through the woods. <laughs> 13.7 miles. Now, a true marathon is 13.1, but you know, if you're a trail runner, you just like to make it even more hard on yourself and on your body, and that's what I did. So 13.7 miles through the woods, uh, roots tripping over yourself. There's a, there's 100 people running with you. It's a lot of fun. If you, if you consider that fun, maybe that's, maybe I'm just like torture, but I did it anyway. I, I told my, Lacey was there with me and the girls, they were rooting me on. And, and, uh, I said, I really feel like I'll be able to get this done in two hours. Yeah, right. Um, and, um, so, you know, I'm, I have my watch and I'm tracking myself through the woods and, and everything. And, you know, the first 6.8 miles wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad at all. And I got, I got, you know, got, and then you had to do two laps. So 6.8 miles and then another 6.8. Well, you know, when I got to mile 11, something happened. My legs just stopped working. <laughs> I never felt that much pain in my life. And I, and then I started praying. Like I was praying like, Lord, you know, the first six miles I was, I was just talking to God and said, Lord, you know, help me not to trip and fall on my face. But also thank you for this beautiful like nature that you created. And I'm just, I'm just trying to spend some time with you. But the the last like three miles I'm like Lord please help me get out of these woods <laughs> I thought I was gonna have to hit my distress call on my watch where my wife knew where I was because she so I'm watching it and it's like okay I, two hours are up and now it's getting closer to two and a half hours and I'm like oh she's gonna think I fell down a ravine or in a or something got me out here and uh and then it's getting closer to two hours and 50 minutes, and I'm coming out. I'm coming out of the woods finally. Sam, he came back to look for me just to make sure I wasn't hurt. I see him on, he's like, I said, I said Sam, did my wife send you? He's like, no, I just come to check on you. I'm like, yeah, okay. But, uh, and, you know, I thought I was going to just suck it up and just be real macho and, like, you know, act like I can jog to the end. Nope, didn't do that. I couldn't move my legs. I could not move them at all. So I, um, I think Faith Stoudemire, she was there too. She was racing as well. So anyway, we just like to torture ourselves to open up uh, the new year. I made it through, and um, I don't know if I'll ever do that race again. But um, 
you know, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. But, uh, um, you know, in a way, you know, as we're getting ready to launch prayer and fasting, I guess it does. You know, we've done this. You know, pastor has led the church many years through prayer and fasting. I came on staff five years ago, and, and, and it was new it was new to me, I've, you know, that we have never done it in a community setting like this. And I, I thought this is going to be really hard. And maybe this is your first year. You've been, you've heard us talk about it. Uh, maybe you've been praying and thinking about how can I participate in this? And you think it may just be really too hard to do. And I'm going to say this, that, you know, it, it's not going to be easy to push away the plate because I like to eat, but it's so worth it. And it, and it doesn't make God love me any more or love me any less if I don't. This is an opportunity in this season as we just get to just focus in and just say, God, what do you have for me this year? What do you want to say? I, I got to thinking about it as I was asked, you know, to, to bring this message. I, um, there's, a, there's an older gentleman in my life who was a mentor growing up. His name, I've shared his story a couple times. His name is Milton Whitfield. Um, Grandpa Whitfield is what we called him. Uh, I remember I got saved at 12 years old in the, a little town called Weewahitchka, Florida. That's where I grew up. That's where I spent my childhood. And Milton Whitfield was 84 years old, and he lived just right across the street from the church. Was a deacon for a number of years, but the man just knew how to pray. And I remember he came, he came by the house one summer. He was getting to know me. He would talk to my mom and me at church, and he was just trying to build a relationship with this young kid. So he, he said, you know, I just want to hang out with you. So one, in the summer when I didn't have school, he would just come by in his, his Oldsmobile that had no AC. I can remember this. And he would pick me up, and he would take me to a place called Maxine's Restaurant, which is in Weewall. And it was a place where on Tuesdays you could, is all you could eat shrimp. And, uh, and he would, he would, and he would usually bring someone else along. He was mentoring an older person, but he would just, he would, we would hang out. We would eat as many shrimp as we possibly could. And, uh, we would just, we would just talk and he would talk about scripture. He would talk about life. He, his, uh, his dear wife, Miss June was a sweet lady. Um, and he would talk about her and, um, and you know, we just, it was just, it was a fun I still, I mean, I remember being 13, 14 years old and I'm, I can still remember those conversations. But the one thing that he really instilled in me was, was a prayer life and how to pray. And, I, uh, and I, I just learned by observing, guys. That's really what I did is I would go with him um, and then we would, get, we would spend an hour or so together and then uh, we would read scripture together. We would talk and then we'd get home. But before he would let me out of the car, he's like, I'm going to pray for you. And now when Brother Whitfield would start praying, he didn't, you know, he didn't use big fancy words. He didn't, he didn't talk in King James Version. He didn't do any of that stuff. He just started thanking God. He's like, God, I thank you today for my friend Zach. Now he's 84, I'm 14. I thank you for my friend Zach. I, I, and then he would bless me, pray a prayer, blessing over me. And then he said, well, Lord, I thank you just for the sunshine today. And it's July and he has no AC in the car. <laughs> and the windows aren't down. I'm like, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that there's AC in my house. That's what I was saying underneath my breath. But he would, and he, he wanted to hold your hand and he wanted to, and he would pray. And it wasn't loud and he wasn't shaking and screaming. It was just, it was like he was having a conversation with God. Like he was right there in the car with us. And it, it impressed upon me that it doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't have to be a labor. It's, it's, it's a conversation that I, have to, that I have with God. I thank you, God, for the birds that I hear singing. 
I thank you, God, for the blue sky. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that today that I'm walking upright. And he would go through all of this laundry list of stuff. And, and I thought, and that by that time, we're pouring sweat because there's no AC. And, and this is where my mind is. And he would pray. And then he would get done. He said, now, now, now Zach, I want you to pray. I'm like, all right. And I, here I am, very shy, young, never really done this before. And I'm praying, like, underneath my breath. He's like, brother, I, you know, I can't hear you. God probably can't hear you either. So you need to pray a little bit louder. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and he never, you know, he never told me, you know, he was just joking with me there. But it just, I, I think about those times because not only was it, did we pray in situations like that? When we had Monday night prayer and we were invited to come, the church was open on Monday nights. I remember going and there's the same man who sat in the same corner and he prayed. He prayed in the spirit. He prayed in understanding. And he prayed and he prayed. And then we went to prayer retreats as kids growing up that sometimes the church would sponsor or I would go and we would spend weekends away just with the Lord. And, and it was in that season of my life that the discipline, I know we don't like to think of it this way, but prayer is a chief discipline in our Christian walk. It's, our, it's the way we commune with God. It's the way God has set it up so we can have so we can have community with him, but so we can have a relationship. Prayer, in my, if you look through scripture, we're going to talk about today, we're going to be in Matthew 6, we're going to look at Jesus' teaching on prayer and fasting. That's the title of today's message. Prayer and fasting, making room for God's presence in our life. That's, that's exactly what we want to talk about as we get ready in this season. I mean, it's a way that I can just talk and have, it's not a forced thing, but I feel like every time I sit down to pray or I walk to pray or I, or I'm in my car or wherever I'm going, it's a constant conversation. I fully believe that the whole, that God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy spirit are always in constant communication because they're in perfect unity. Right. And get this as believers, you and I get invited into that conversation and that's where prayer unlocks that conversation. Man, we get, you know, Paul talks about going into the, the third heavens and he heard things that he can't even mention. I believe that God still wants to reveal himself that way. He wants, to, he wants to deposit some things in your life and it only comes by spending time with him in prayer. So now I remember the prayer thing really well, but fasting, I'll just be honest with you, it did not come up a lot growing up as a kid. I, I would hear some people talk about it. I would hear a sermon maybe every now and then about it, but it really wasn't something that we talked about a lot. I can remember an older lady in the church one time, Miss Pitts said, she said, I, I feel like the Lord's calling the whole church to spend some days in prayer and fasting. And I remember being a young boy thinking, What's, what does she mean by that? You know, fasting is one of those disciplines that, you know, we think, does it really still have application in our life today? Does it really, does it really apply? How can I be, how, how does it fit in the context of the 21st century? And the main point and the main thing I want to drive home and the main idea today is that when we pray and when we fast, we make room for God's presence. And so the questions I want to kind of pose today, um, we don't have to go there yet, Justin, but, but uh, thank you. That is, that is the main idea. But what, what did, Here's some questions I want to pose. Do you want God's presence in your life? Think about that. Yes, I hear some of you say yes. What did Jesus have to say about prayer and fasting? And we're going to talk about that. And how can we make prayer and fasting a priority in our lives today? Do we have to make it a priority? Those are questions that we're going to look at. 
So in Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching. I know if you had turned the time to turn on your device and get to Matthew 6, or if you have your Bible in tree form, you can open to Matthew 6. Um, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I know. Uh, when I say that in youth, the kids are like, that's a dad joke, Pastor Zach. Come on. You know, like, you know. So... Jesus is still, he's teaching what, um, how to live in his kingdom. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is faced with temptation. He's in the desert 40 days, um, 40 nights praying. He he's encounters you know, the temptation of Satan, overcomes that, comes out of that, learns that John, his cousin, has been arrested, but he still continues to preach. And he starts preaching. He says, he says repent, for the kingdom of God is near. In Matthew, it says the kingdom of heaven. But kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven are, are oftentimes used together. What's God, what is Jesus saying is the kingdom is here now. I'm here. I've come. It's time. And so he's preaching repentance, the same message that John's preaching. Chapter 5, he gets into what we know, may, many may know as the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5, he's, the, he's talking about the Beatitudes, right? The attitudes of Christian living are walking in this kingdom. He does not come to abolish the law. He says, but I've come that I may fulfill it. He, he looks at the law, the Jewish law, and he says, listen, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, and he, and he, and he answers those questions to his audience, and he's talking to them. Well, we get to chapter 6, and he's still teaching. These are some core foundational teachings that Jesus taught, not just one time, but he probably had conversations, and he probably spoke these core teachings throughout his whole entire ministry while on earth. The reason we say that and the reason we believe that is because as you read like his half-brother James in the book of James will quote some of these very same teachings. Peter quotes them in the book of Peter. Paul reiterates them in the other letters that he wrote. It's a, it's a core teaching of the Christian faith. Do you want to know how to live in my kingdom, this is how. And he spells all that out. Well, in chapter 6, he starts with talking about giving. And then he goes to prayer. And he goes to fasting. These are three key things that every good Jewish person would have done. These are disciplines that would have been done in their life. And he says, let me, let me take it a step further. Let me, let, me just, let me unpack it for you a little bit more. So on prayer, this is what Jesus says. I'm in verse 5. If you're following with me, it will also be on the screen. And Jesus said this, he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. He's talking about the Pharisees here. Could you imagine if you were a Pharisee in that, in that crowd and you hear him say that? Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward, reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for the father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that a good assurance that, that God knows that before you even come to prayer? What if I said that it's not about bringing a laundry list to God, but it's about coming to have just a conversation with him? I love how Steve Sampson has said over the years, he says, most of my prayer time now is not me coming to bring requests to the Lord, it's just me coming to listen. 
Steve Sampson, uh, you know, he's coming as, as Pastor Scott shared. You know, we've had him for the number the last few years. Just a great ministry this, that he has. And he says, a lot of times I don't start my prayer life off with, with my request. I just ask God what's on his mind. Who's on your heart today, Lord? And then from there, I let the Holy Spirit lead. I thought that's so practical, but that's the same way that I remember Milton, Milton Whitfield leading the prayer that we would have sometimes. It's like, you know, God, I just come to just listen to your voice. And let me say this. I'll be honest with you. I still pray that way. And there's sometimes I feel like God speaks to me and I hear something, either a scripture is reminded or a phrase or a word, or I may see a vision or a picture of somebody. Um, but then there's sometimes I don't hear anything at all. But I didn't, I didn't come there to, I didn't come there to uh, just hear something or get something. I just came to be with him. And that's, that's a prayer lifestyle. So, what, so let's, let's unpack this a little bit more. He uses the word hypocrites. The ancient Greek word there described in this passage, this is the definition of a hypocrite, an actor, a stage player, one who only does something to be seen or heard. So your prayer life isn't about being seen or heard, but it's about what your father wants to reveal to you in your private place, in your secret place. Jewish prayer times in the days of Jesus were 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m., if they would go to the synagogue or they would find a place and that's when they would pray at nine, noon, and three. So if a Pharisee wanted to be noticed, as he's saying in the scripture, they could time it up just right and stand on the street corner and pray and well, and they would, you know, in the view of everyone out there, they would say, well, they're a pious, devout person. They pray. And Jesus says they can do that, but they've already received their reward, their reward in full. And the point Jesus is making here is, that And we've said this, prayer is a time of community with you and God. Go find a place to be alone and spend time with him in prayer, wherever that may be for you. You got to find your place. Luke 11, 1, it's not on the screen. And this is, I, I, I know the, the tech team's like, why are you doing this to me? But I just want to, I, I just, I think about this when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm reading and studying this. They never ask, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, they never ask him, Lord, teach us how to preach or teach us how to heal people. He says, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus would arise early in the morning and go to a solitary place and he would be with his father. Prayer is something individual with you and you got to find your place. Where is it? Think about it. You don't have to answer this out loud, but I want you to think to yourself, where is that place where you go and you can just be with God and you feel like, man, this is the time I hear his voice. This is where it is. You know, we have three small children in our house, so it, I'll be honest with you, it's not in my house sometimes, you know, because they're just having fun. And they should, rightly so, they should, because that, that it should be the, it, that's what I want them to do. And, you know, we teach them, and we, we sit down, and the breakfast table is where, we've, uh, where we do our devotion time. It's always fun with a six-year-old and a three-year-old doing devotion time, and then our nine-year-old who's super serious, and she wants them to listen and be still. You, you know, it's just, you know, if you could just sit there and see, it's hilarious. But it is, and maybe you've done that with your kids, or maybe you plan to do that with your kids. Um, I just say, listen, have fun with it. Because the one thing I want my children to understand is that there's not this angry God in heaven who doesn't listen to you, but there's a loving, compassionate God who just wants to talk and who just wants to be with you. And get this, God has no grandchildren. We're all his kids in here. And guess what? He's inviting every single one of us back into that conversation to be with him. So 
I was as I was praying Thursday. I was you know doing my you know doing just studying, working out my notes, and praying over this. And I felt like the Lord said, "I want to drop some treasures in your life in 2020 in our prayer time." I don't think He was just speaking that to me. That's someone in here. He wants to drop some some truth, some treasure, some nuggets in your life as you spend time with Him in 2020. And then I got to study in Matthew six a little bit more. And get this, when it says, go into your room or to your closet, however your version that you're reading, when you look at that word in the original Greek, you know what it means? A storage place, a secret chamber where you would store treasures, things that are of value to you. Get this, your prayer place is a secret place where God wants to reveal things of himself, of his nature, of his character, and he wants to deposit some things inside of you as you just go and be with him. So I pray for you today that as God, as you spend time with him in 2020, as you work on, not work on, but as you just find places to go and be with him, that those things that he desperately wants to reveal to you, that you just be sensitive enough to hear his voice. As you spend time in his word, that that the the words on the page would just leap out at you and you would see them like you've never seen them before. God wants a relationship with us. He wants to reveal things in secret to us so that we can display his glory in public. Not, not for our glory, but so others can see him in us. I believe that's what happens in our prayer time. Can I say this? It's not about the length of your prayer, but it's about the heart behind it. This is why Jesus in verses 9 through 15, we're not going to go there today, but I encourage you, it's what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Now, I remember as a young boy and playing football, they always, they knew that I was like the FCA president, the Christian guy. That's what some of the other older guys would say. So as a freshman, they would say on the varsity team, they'd say, hey, uh, Reverend, that's what they would call me. Um, so will you pray for us? And will you, and they, I remember my freshman year, this, they just wanted me to recite the Lord's Prayer. And I was so nervous and intimidated as a freshman being on the varsity team. I didn't have enough guts to say, well, listen, that's cool that we can recite that, but that, that's not really what that prayer is meant to do. And I didn't say anything. I didn't speak up. I didn't speak. It's a model, if, if you didn't know. Jesus, I don't like to call it the Lord's Prayer. I know it's commonly referred to that, but it's the disciples' prayer. He's teaching them how to pray. He's giving them a model. If you have not gotten a prayer first guide, um, if they're out at guest services. We printed some more. But if you've not got one of those in the last few years or you haven't got one this season, there's a great teaching inside there about how to use the Lord's Prayer as a prayer model to help you pray. And it all starts out with praise. Our Father who art in heaven. We all probably could quote it right now, most of us in here. But it wasn't meant to be quoted. It was meant to give us a structure and a pattern of how to pray. So I didn't say anything. I just would pray it and say amen. But my sophomore year, we got a new coach. And what's really cool is this guy's Jewish. He's a really, and he, he's like, hey, Zach, I want you to pray over the team. And so I started reciting the Lord's Prayer, and he stops, and he's like, I don't want you to say that prayer. I want you to pray over the team. I want you to pray what God puts on your heart. Here's my Jewish coach allowing me, as a Christian young man in a public school, to pray and say, in Jesus' name. It was the coolest experience as a sophomore. Don't take it for granted when you get those opportunities, maybe at work or at school or wherever it is. Don't, don't take it for granted at all. So 
if you've never had an opportunity, you sometimes wonder, if you get stuck in prayer, you feel like you're just praying the same thing over and over again, there's a lot of times I will go to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, and I will open up and I will start praying through the Lord's Prayer. Not reciting it, but he's, you know, I will worship him. And there's this one statement that he makes, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Get this, your prayers are powerful. And we're supposed to pray that his kingdom come and be manifest here now, not later. Now, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's freedom. And those don't just take place within the four walls of this church. It takes place outside in the marketplace as well. And he wants his kingdom to take place on the entire earth. And guess what he does? He uses you and me to do that. So if you, like I said, get the prayer guide, use it. There's some other good teachings in there. If you just have a hard time figuring out how to get started, that's why we provide that resource for you. So Jesus moves on now from prayer and he goes into fasting. And this is what he says in verse 16. He says, Matthew 16, when you fast, and pastor alluded to this last week, he said, he didn't say not if you fast, he says when you fast, he assumed that his followers would spend time fasting. And this, the rest of the scripture goes like this. Jesus says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. There's that word again. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret, what will he do? He'll reward you. You know, Jews fasted on the day of atonement. If you go and look in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 29 through 31, that's a day that they fasted. It was a day of a sunup to sundown fast, and they still do it today. Pharisees in Jesus' day fasted twice a week. For the Pharisee, it became a religious act that became a way of earning God's approval. They even questioned Jesus later in his ministry. Hey, why are you and your disciples not fast? Does anyone know what Jesus says to them? With the bridegroom, yeah, the bridegroom is still with him. Why would they fast? He said, one day they'll fast, but I'm with them now. Jesus doesn't abolish fasting at all. He doesn't do away with it here. He still says that it's a practice. It's still something that should be in the Christian life. But don't do it to earn approval. Don't do it to prove that you're more pious or more religious than anyone else. You do it because it's an opportunity for you to be with him. It's an opportunity for you to be with him. You know, verses 17 and 18 talk about, are more of a reference in taking care of yourself. It deals with personal hygiene. I know some people would say, and you may think about the oil as a representative of something else, but in this context, he's just talking about just take care of yourself, clean your face up. Like, and can I say this? If you're choosing to go into this fast with us as a, as a church, and, and I hope you pray and, 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 and you participate in some way as you can, can I encourage you to take care of yourself? If this is your first time ever doing a fast, there's some great resources in the Grace Fast about how you need to, how, there's some just good practical steps that pastor has laid out in there and just, just take care of yourself. If you've not been medically cleared to fast, um, then there are some other ways that you can participate. But the idea here is not to be tied to a method. 
The idea is not to get, get hooked on the mechanism of all this. The idea and the heart behind it is the main point again. I want to make room for God's presence in my life. I want to put a priority on prayer in my life in 2020 because I know that I can't do this without him. I know I can't. I, know I, I, I don't want to do this without him. There's a lot of times that I think that, you know what, I've been around and doing you know, ministry now in full-time ministry for almost 10 years. I know how to put a service order together. I know I was taught and how to like build a sermon and do things like that. And there's some things that I can just do just without really even thinking about it anymore. But if I get trapped into that and just going through the motions, am I really making room for the presence of God to be manifest in my life? And all of us can be guilty of that. I can just go through the motions. I've always done this. We've always done this. We always come to church. We always sit in the same place. 1030, we're going to do this and we're going to take up an offering. We're going to sing a few songs. He's going to talk to us. It's so easy to get caught in the motion. But what if God doesn't want you to be caught up in the motions anymore? But what if he wants to reveal something new to you this year? What if God, won't, what if God is speaking? He's been speaking something specifically to you for a number of years, but you've just, you're like, I just don't know. What if it's this year that you push away the plate or you push away the, the TV? I know I watch sometimes way too much football. I'm just being honest with you. I, and there's nothing wrong with football, but I, I spend sometimes too much time doing that. Day. What if I pushed those things away and I dedicated that time to him? These are things I've been asking myself, church. I've asked myself this too, that I, if I'm going to go into this fast, I'm going to make sure that the times that I would normally be eating is the time that I'm going to spend time in worship and prayer because if I am fasting without praying, I'm starving myself. I'm not just starving myself physically, but I'm starving the spiritual side of me. I'm, star I'm starving the side that God wants to speak to. So don't starve yourself spiritually and don't starve yourself physically. It's not a good diet plan, okay? Don't do that. So, um, In all seriousness, though, take care of yourself and know this, that if you are participating, and we're doing this as a church, we're doing this as a family, there's just people here that want to that want to link arms with you and want to encourage you along the way. That's why we do on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. It's why we just have we open the church and we have dedicated times of prayer and fasting. If you can't come at noon on Monday, maybe you can come at seven. Because get this, Christianity was never ever meant to be done alone. It was always meant to be done in community. And this is a community of believers here. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different, we grew up differently. But the one thing that unites every single one of us in here is the blood of Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're not a believer. You've never given your life to the Lord. I tell you that it's, it's, it's one of the, it is the greatest thing that will take place. But God not only will save you and set you free, but he puts you in a community of people where you can find your purpose, you can find your place. And you think, man, I've been missing this my whole entire life. What am I missing? Yeah, it's that relationship not only with God the Father, but with God's people. Man, if you are going to go into this, don't go into it alone, but come and be a part of those prayer services um, use the resources that we have. There's some biblical examples I want to share with you real quick. Some, you know, because I've been asked, is fasting still relevant today? I would say, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's definitely not something that we all like to talk about. Why, do we, why would I want to do away with food, especially here in the South? Everything that we do is around food. <laughs> 
I, I'm looking forward to, and I still have to work with Miss Janet about the baked potato sale and, and mission stuff because we look forward. Those are things we look forward to. Those are community things we do here, but we'll wait, you know, because I've found that when we do the baked potato sale and we add chili to it, more of you show up. So that's what we'll, we'll do. So, but, um, but listen, there are some biblical examples, even, you know, Old and New Testament. I pulled just a few. Jesus. He fasted for 40 days to prepare for ministry. We see that in the Gospels, Matthew 4, Mark 1, Luke 4. Now get this, he fasted those times, and then it says at the end of the fast, who came and attended to Jesus after the fast? Angels came and ministered to him. Angels came and... So I don't know if God's calling you to a 40-day fast, but just know that angels had to come and take care of Jesus. Nah, it just... But... um, no, if God, if God is calling you to do that, uh, there's definitely, I would encourage you to sit down and talk uh, with someone before you venture out in a 40-day fast. But if, if God's given you the grace to do that, Jesus did it to prepare himself for ministry. Paul and Barnabas fasted, they fasted to seek God's wisdom before making a decision. Acts 14, 23. They had to pray about sending people out to do ministry. Look, and then we just read this in the Christmas story, 84, 84-year-old Anna the prophet is fasted and prayed in the temple awaiting the Messiah. So we have biblical examples. We, we see those all through scripture. Um, there, there's precedent there. Once again, I don't want you to get tied to just these few examples. When we fast and when we pray, we make room for God's presence in our life. It's not about the method. It's not about what type of fast you're going to do. Fasting does not change God, but it changes me. When I choose to humble myself, I choose to replace my time of eating with prayer and worship. I'm choosing to put God first in my life above everything else. And that's not just in this season of January, but it's something I pray that I want to do the rest of my life. As a believer, I choose to put him at the center of everything that I do and everything that, I, that everything that who I am and my identity and everything that I believe, I want him to be the center. I want him to be the focus. And guess what? There's no, you know, there's no better time. We're not talking about resolutions here as a church. We're not talking about any of those things. We're talking about, hey, I'm choosing together, collectively as a whole, but also as an individual, that I want to spend this time with you, Lord. Man, I really want to hear from you in this season of my life. So as we start today, maybe you start today or maybe you start tomorrow Maybe you're still on the fence about all of this prayer and fasting thing. What is it really? There are, like I said, resource guides. Make sure you grab those. Make sure you take those. If you need more, if we run out today, we'll have more printed you know, next, you know, this week. And if you can be a part of the prayer times, make sure you're here. There's, there's, there's something beautiful about not just a time of prayer and worship, but it's a time when we come together at the end and we just pray for one another's needs and we lift each other up. If you can't be here, we completely understand. Just dedicate some time at your home. Pray with your family. I'm going to choose to turn off ESPN and, and, and spend more time with my family and, and, uh, and pray and spend time with, with the Lord and with my girls. Can I say this as, I, as we get ready to close? Fasting is a personal decision, and it's something between you and God. Whatever you choose to do, if it's a Daniel, if it's a sunup to sundown, Maybe you can't fast food because your health just won't allow it, but maybe you choose to fast social media. So you, you, know, you go ahead and you, you just suspend all of your accounts right now. I don't know. That, that may be really hard for some of you, but uh, um, some of you are like, I don't even know what he's talking about. So it wouldn't be that hard at all. Whatever, however, I encourage you, whatever you do, 
you know, may the focus of what you do and may what you keep in mind is that Jesus is at the center of your prayer and your fasting time. It's not about earning merits or jewels in heaven. It's not about getting a gold star. It's not about any of those things. It's about your relationship with him. It's about your relationship with him. I'm fully convinced that God wants to deposit some things in your life. He wants to put some treasures in your life this year. As we seek him first, and we re- he will reveal and he will add to those things in which we need. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus made that promise. I'm choosing to put his kingdom first. There's three takeaways. If you're taking notes, we'll put them on the screen real quick. Just to kind of sum up the talk, the message today is when we pray and fast, we make room for God's presence in our life. Number two, prayer and fasting don't change God's character, but can change ours. Number three, prayer and fasting are not about religious performance, but humility of our hearts. You know, there's many times I've had to check my ego at the door um, in, in different areas of my life. And, and, you know, God just, God does honor the humility of our heart. There's so, it's so easy in our culture to be, you know, we're self-sufficient, we're self-starters, that whole American dream concept, I'm nothing wrong with it, I'm not putting that down. But there is something to be said when I say, you know, Lord, today I choose to humble myself before you because I don't have all this figured out. And I need your wisdom and I need your guidance. What are you praying for in 2020? What is your plan and what is your focus going into this fast? You say, well, that, that's a weird way of saying it, Zach. I, I've learned this. If I don't have a plan and I don't have something that I'm really asking the Lord for, it's easy for me to lose focus. It's easy for me after a couple of days, I'll just kind of slip back into it. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm encouraging you today not to give up, but to go into this thing saying, Lord, what do, you, what do you want to say to me? I'll just be honest with you as, as the, the, the band comes and we're going we're gonna to get ready to worship God with communion. I'll be honest with you. Some of, I'm asking the Lord for clarity. I need direction. I need, I need wisdom in, in decisions. I know as a church we're praying about that. There's a lot of stuff happening in 2020 with building plans and, and just outreach initiatives and, and what we want to do what we want to do and what, and not what we want to do, but what God wants us to do for this community, for this city, for the United States and for our nation. Cause we, we have outreach initiatives in all of those areas. So what are you praying about? What are you asking God to reveal to you? What are the treasures that he needs to deposit in your life in this season of prayer and fasting in this year of 2020? We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. 
And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.